And hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education and politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. We're here a day early because of the long holiday weekend ahead, but we have a lot to talk about heading into the 4th of July. And it feels like we're picking up where we left off uh, last week, talking about more problems, more troubles with the state's evaluation data, teacher evaluation data. You've been looking at these, uh, looking at these numbers, looking at these reports, and finding more problems. Tell us what you found. Yeah, we broke this story uh, last week, talked about it last week on extra credit. What this is, just to catch everybody up to speed real quick, the state of Idaho is required to evaluate all of their teachers every year. State Department of Education released a new report last week that detailed 17,000-plus teachers from all 115 school districts and charter schools. And this has been a team effort. I ended up writing about it. I followed it for a year. Uh, But our data analyst, Randy Schrader, was involved. Our editor, Jennifer Swindell, was involved. Kevin, you helped with the uh, editing of of the story. So it really was a, a team effort. But what we found is that errors and omissions are, are so widespread that it almost makes the data kind of worthless for its intended purpose, which is to gauge um, teacher performance across the state and to differentiate between your high-performing teachers and your low-performing teachers. It's important. And this data will be, if it's not already important, it will be really important in the future as a metric in terms of teacher pay. Right. Uh, that's correct. The legislature in 2015 partially tied teacher pay, hundreds of millions of dollars through the career ladder, to evaluations. Basically, an evaluation score is one of the main things a teacher can do to move up the ladder and earn more money in the process. And so that's why we're making a big deal about this. That's why it's important. What we found after reporting an initial round of errors last week, we went back to more school districts. And interestingly, um, the Post Falls School District and the CUNA School District talked to both of their superintendents, and they said, and this might sound familiar to some of our long-term readers, that they intentionally awarded identical overall teacher evaluation scores in the report that they gave to the state. Uh, They said those numbers are not accurate, and the reason they did that in both cases was district leaders were concerned about meeting the state reporting Deadline. They're going to have a little help with that next year, another 30 days. But uh, basically, they said, it, it, especially in Post Falls, the numbers are completely different. Rather than having 301 teachers all earning the same score, you've got 320 teachers now earning a variety of different scores from proficient to distinguished to basic and unsatisfactory. So it's a new wrinkle on an old problem. Districts. Right deliberately turning in data that they know is inaccurate. I mean, this time around, it's not superintendents telling you, we did this because we feel like it's none of the state's business how we grade our teachers. In this case, it was uh, more of a procedural. We want to get something in, even though we know it's inaccurate. But what's the fallout? If, if, if For these districts that turn in bad data, deliberately bad data, is there any fallout? What happens now? What happens next, uh, superintendents from Post Falls and CUNA told me they will be resubmitting accurate data this summer when they do subsequent follow-up uh, uploads. We will watch and out Boise's for that. Kind of in the same boat. And, and Boise's in the same boat. Last week we talked about how they did not submit all their data uh, because they couldn't meet the deadline in some cases either. And so the immediate fallout is these districts have said that they will give 
the state accurate data this summer. We will watch to make sure that that happens and report on if it does. Looking long term, the concern is if this were to continue with errors, uh, and, and there have been data that's simply been entered wrong. That's also been a problem for some school districts. But if errors are to continue next year, potentially thousands of dollars of taxpayer money could be misspent. Uh, teachers could, uh, teachers some ca in some cases, teachers could be moving up the career ladder when maybe they weren't quite ready to based on their performance. And, and in other cases, if the data is entered wrong, like we saw in a couple school districts, and the teachers are reported lower evaluation scores than they actually earned, that could prevent a teacher from getting a raise that they have earned. And so that's the long-term concern going forward. We are going to continue to follow this this summer. And interestingly, the responsibility for reviewing and auditing the accuracy, Kevin, of this data, of these evaluation reports, the legislature pulled it away from the State Department of Education and beginning essentially Friday, essentially mm -hmm. probably when a lot of people are tuning into this podcast, that responsibility is going to go to the State Board of Education going forward. So there are provisions in place to audit it, to review this. We we don't know exactly how that's going to look, what they're going to be able to look at uh, or do. Um, but th that's the reason why why we have paid so close attention to this. The career ladder is the signature law to increase teacher pay. Evaluations are a big part of the accountability that was tied to that. And for two years in a row, we've noticed a number of errors, omissions, uh, and, and problems with the data that that make it so the data can't really fulfill its purpose right. in the form that we got it this week. And you'll keep tracking the data, and you can follow on idahoednews.org to find out what, what else you find. And I know it's complicated stuff, uh, and, and I know it's, it's frustrating, but we do try to break it down. Uh, two good stories in the past week at idahoednews.org. But speaking, Kevin, of the career ladder of the legislature's signature teacher pay plan, you had kind of a similar uh, data-driven story where you looked at just what happened with teachers' salaries. And I don't know of anyone else in the state who has taken a close look at what happened to salaries since the legislature took action. So what were some of the highlights and what were some of the numbers that you looked at? Okay. Well, it was interesting stuff. And, and again, credit where credit's due. Our, our, our data analyst, Randy Schrader, worked really hard to put together the numbers that I had a chance to write about this week. The bottom line here, I wanted to look at what happened with teacher pay the first year the career ladder was in place. And basically, what happened in the big macro is that teacher pay went up on average by 2.1% across the state. Uh, it translates to about $900 a year per teacher. Now, what that does not mean is that it does not mean that the average teacher received a 2.1% raise, and it certainly doesn't mean that every teacher received a 2.1% raise. It just means that on average, teacher pay increased by 2.1%. A lot of things factor into that equation. You know, if a teacher retires and a younger teacher comes in, uh, that younger teacher is going to come in at a lower salary. That's why when we looked at the numbers, you'll actually see some districts where the average salary went down from last year to this year. More well, than 20-some districts, right, almost 30 quite, districts? Quite a, quite a considerable number. And if you go to idahoednews.org, you can read my story and you can download our spreadsheets, and you can see exactly what went on in your district or in your charter school. So you see that happen in schools, and that doesn't mean that you know salaries were cut in these districts. Far from it. What it means is 
most likely you had some experienced teachers retire, right. go into administration perhaps, or just leave the profession and wind up being replaced by younger teachers. So that's why the, the numbers go down. So there's a lot going on, a lot of variables in the equation, but we wanted to see kind of where things stood a year in and, and kind of get a look at what's what the future holds on this career ladder. And what I wrote about is how we knew going in that what the career ladder intended to do and was built to do was to try to boost pay at the beginning of the salary schedule. If you're an entry-level teacher, if you're a teacher with a couple of years' experience working your way into the into the system, into a career in teaching, you're going to see the higher raises. That's just how this thing is built. There's less money built into the system for veteran teachers, for experienced teachers, and that's where the tension is going to start to come in. And I looked at a couple of districts that are already kind of wrestling with that. Uh, Twin Falls, which has an agreement in place for the next uh, school year, and West Ada, which is still working on it. And the, the thread there, and I don't think these are the only two districts that are dealing with it, what do you do with teachers when they hit the top of the salary scale? When they hit, you know, we use a sports analogy, the salary cap. Right. They get to the point where they are making they are making more money or have been making more money than the state will reimburse the districts. Well, what does the district do? Uh, to what extent can they reimburse or, or supplement the, uh, the state's salary funding. A lot of districts are already doing that. A lot of districts will continue to do that, but that's where the tension is in a lot of schools, in a lot of districts, and a lot of negotiations going on around the state. And if you look at the numbers, that's probably something that's going to continue and probably increase over time. Yeah, you're right. And that's one of the things, Kevin, that I really like about our job where we're able to focus on education. You're able to see these connections and connect these dots. We're able to talk about how evaluations in the career ladder and teacher pay are all connected. But you mentioned a couple of the case studies uh, when you looked at teacher salaries. One of them is the West Ada School District that you highlighted kind of their experience. They have some teachers bumping up against, if you will, that salary cap. Two weeks ago, I was at a meeting uh, at the West Ada School District where they have budget concerns. They're actually deficit spending for the upcoming school year. And so it is interesting to see, to follow something out of the State House two years ago in the form of a bill that became law and policy and how that affects districts and how different programs and different pieces of policy fit together. Uh, it is kind of interesting to see it come together, I and, feel and like. We, and we've written so much. And so much has been said about the personality issues that have uh, plagued the West Ada School Board over the past year or so. Now you have uh, new trustees in place, so maybe those personality issues uh, recede. Mm -hmm. But you have some very serious policy issues facing that district. And, and this uh, salary negotiation process really underscores that. West Ada's long had problems in terms of hanging on to teachers, uh, because teachers can go to Boise District and uh, pick up uh, pick up more money. I mean, Boise pays more than West Ada and has for years. But the other side of the dilemma, and you wrote about it a couple of weeks ago, is this is a school district that is facing some very serious uh, financial straits, largely because of growth. New schools, new students, new pressures on the budget. So they're not sitting with a lot of extra money to put into the salary structure 
So, so it's a real difficult dilemma. There are no easy answers for this. Right. It's a great work. It, one of the biggest issues, some of the biggest issues facing the state from budget concerns to teacher retention to legislative policy are all wrapped up within this story. I encourage you to go check it out at idahoednews.org. It's a must read. You can also have fun with it and look at the five districts that have the highest average teacher salaries, the lowest average teacher salaries. You can download our own data to see what teachers in your school district are making. A, a comprehensive report and absolutely required reading if you're interested in the state of education and education funding these days. But speaking of education funding uh, in West Ada. In West Ada. Kevin, there's another lawsuit, a couple lawsuits that have been filed in the state of Idaho, almost deja vu all over again. Uh, but w what's in this latest filing? You took a look at it. Okay, we're back at the student fee issue. And it looks like the student fee issue is going to go back into courts. It could, uh, could play out in Ada County, but it could also play out in Bannock County. We have a pair of lawsuits. They're identical in, in content, basically. Uh, and what is being challenged here, again, is uh, districts uh, imposing student fees for, for classes. West Ada has dropped the student fee uh, program because they lost in court a few months ago. This goes back in time and addresses fees that were imposed and collected a couple of years ago. It also addresses the issue of uh, of student supply lists. You know, your, your, your kid in, in August, you know, you, you register and you get the list of the you know, supplies that uh, are going to be needed for the school year. And the lawsuit alleges that even if this is presented as voluntary, it has a compulsory feel to it. And it really puts uh, parents and kids in kind of a, uh, a moral dilemma about whether to buy the supplies or not. Uh, bottom line here, the lawsuit in West Ada uh, seeks to uh, force the district to reimburse to parents something like $2 million in fees uh, collected a couple of years ago. Uh, there's a similar lawsuit in Pocatello, and it uh, there's no specific dollar figure attached to it. The lawsuit alleges that uh, Pocatello collected hundreds of thousands of dollars in these fees. So again, it's a variation on what has been a, an ongoing dispute over the constitutionality of imposing and collecting student fees in a state where the Constitution mandates a free common system of public schools. So we've heard the legal issues yep. before, and it will play out again. Interesting stuff. It'll be it'll be interesting to follow that and, and see uh, what the result is. Uh, just looking ahead real quickly, uh, we're still thinking very much in terms of the 2016 election, are we not, Kevin? Mm -hmm. uh, but we got a little bit of a spoiler alert, 2018 election preview. What's what's the latest, Kevin? It's a, involving a familiar name. Right. Uh, Bill Dancer of the Idaho Statesman reported this earlier this week. Uh, Brad Little uh, filed paperwork this week for the uh, to, to run for governor in 2018. The longtime lieutenant governor, mm -hmm. uh, Otter's uh, sort of right-hand deputy almost, um, at least in, in terms of the administration. Uh, so he's someone familiar to us state house reporters and, right. and uh, I mean, news I, junkies. Right. I, I tweeted out yesterday that uh, for Brad Little, the inevitable turned into the quasi-official on Wednesday. <laughs> and, and, and snark aside, that really is the case. I mean, since his appointment as lieutenant governor in 2009, it's been readily apparent that, he, uh, that Brad Little is a gubernatorial candidate in waiting. 
he has the uh, the blessing of Governor Otter, obviously, as an appointee, uh, as sort of his second in command uh, for, for seven years. Interesting, not that he's, that Brad Little is smiling. We knew that was common. I mean, that was uh, a fait accompli. Interesting, his comments to, uh, to Bill Benser, the statesman, that he is viewing himself as something of an underdog, or he is presenting himself as an underdog, even though he's won statewide office now twice. He's been elected lieutenant governor fairly easily in 2010 and 2014, but he is uh, maybe, play, maybe playing the expectation game here, uh, presenting himself as an underdog. I think we all know and expect that there's going to be uh, a crowded field in that Republican well, primary. No, for, assuming for the there's race. no incumbent uh, in the race, assuming Governor Otter follows through on what he has said publicly that about not, not running yet. again, mm-hmm. I, I could see a lot of people uh, would have their eye on that. It could be a crowded Republican primary. And I, and I think if you know, I think if Butch Otter was opposed on the right in the 2014 Republican primary, um, I'll bet a paycheck. <laughs> that Brad Little will be uh, challenged in the 2018 Republican primary by at least one candidate who is presenting himself or herself as a conservative alternative to Brad Little. I mean, you can see that coming. The only question is who who files or how many candidates file. You know, we're a long way out. We're we're you know we're more than two years away. But as keen uh, and, and close Ed News followers will note, Brad Little is not the first candidate for statewide office who has announced he is running for election in right. 2018. Kevin, we already heard uh, from State Superintendent of Public Instruction. Sherry Ybarra told me about a year ago that she is going to be running for re-election right. Only 35 months before the actual election, she said that she was going to be running again. So... It's slowly uh, uh, starting to take shape what uh, what we may see in 2018. But as you said at the outset, we've got a lot of politics uh, to deal with in the 2016 elections. So first things first. All right. Get your office pools ready. uh, Start filling in those brackets. It's been a busy week. I hope everybody has a happy and safe 4th of July out there. We will be back next week with a brand new edition of Extra Credit. Check us out at IdahoEdNews.org and follow us on Twitter at IdahoEdNews. And uh, thanks so much for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.